everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Ellen Ogden of Hello Artist. We're going to be talking the Baton Rouge art scene. We're going to be talking mural painting, how you get those gigs, and also how do you land on the cover of 225 People to Watch in 2021. All of that going to be jam-packed in here with Ellen Ogden. Um, before we get started, I want to remind you all about our wonderful and lovely sponsors, Alvarez Construction and Triton Stone Group. They are two incredible companies in the community that are building dreams and making families live a better life. So without further ado, Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hosting me. I am more than honored to be in the presence of someone of 2021 persons to watch. I mean, that's a real, you got to do a lot to be featured on that, right? I, I, I was shocked. To be honest, I didn't know that's what it was going to be until a week or so before she contacted me with some edits. And I was like, so what is it? Is it a feature? She was, oh, no, it's it's people to watch. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more than you thought. Yeah, I was incredibly flattered, shocked, et cetera. But it was it was a surprise. <laughs> well, I'm sure that was probably a very lovely surprise. And yes. so in order to get there, what do you do? Who is <laughs> Ellen Ogden and who is Elo Artist? Um, I am I have, I'm born and raised in Baton Rouge. Uh, so I got to do a good bit of traveling in undergrad, kind of got some perspective doing national student exchange and international student exchange. They love it when the train drives by. Yeah. Um, Well, we're all tooting each other's horns here, so it's good. (laughs) But I'm chish. Yeah. Good one. Um, But anyway, I landed back here. I got that wanderlust out of my system and I'm happy to be here. you know, I feel like I get to serve in my art in my community where I'm from. So it's it's a cool, it's a cool thing. How to, how I got on the cover of Two Two Five that is a mystery and a shocker, and I don't know that it was 100% merited. But I'm so gracious and happy to to be in that position. I'm an introvert too, so it was also like, oh my goodness, people are watching me. I'm Uh-oh. out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure within this this four hour show. Um, right. <laughs> we'll be able to pull that out, right? I'm kidding. It's not four hours. Um, so you do art, right? I do. How did you kind of get into art? And is it was it, you know, something difficult to get into? I've always painted. I've always done art my whole life. And I um, got an art degree at LSU. I got a painting and drawing degree and I got an art history degree. I actually thought I wanted to do museum work, curatorial stuff. I love to write. And so I did a number of internships at museums, writing the didactic material, which is the little plaques that go next to the artworks. So I got to kind of dig through their archives of the museums I worked at and and pick out works that were relevant or seemed cool and how they tied together, create a story with them. And I love that work, but I don't love sitting still in a cubicle. So I was... You know, I I put that aside and did a ton of other things after undergrad. I taught for a while and had a number of jobs through the way to sustain, waiting tables, doing all kinds of things that you do when you're doing your passion job. Um, Yeah. And I also did stained glass for a number of years with Stephen Wilson. Okay. Who's a big um, master artisan, honestly, in Baton Rouge. So he does big architectural installations of stained glass at churches and secular buildings. Um, if you've ever been in the Pennington Research Center, the entry point for, for clients, we mm-hmm. did that um, huge entryway thing. It's, a, it's a, a bunch of active figures running. That was my first big job I did with him. Wow. So I kind of got my um, groundwork in how to understand those big architectural spaces doing that work with him. 
but my background is in painting. Gotcha. So with a background yeah. in painting and writing for a museum, I mean, you go from like writing, I guess it's all kind of in the same creative space, right? You know, because like yeah. writing with words and then painting with a brush are like two entirely different things. Like yeah. I can draw a stick figure. That's about it. But I can type <laughs> up something well. Right. Well, I think those are all creative avenues. I mean, what you do is incredible. I think it's amazing that you're a CPA and you do this because you're able to kind of tie questions in a real creative way together. I was having a conversation with the um, director at the West Baton Rouge Museum last week about her daughter who wants to get into creative enterprises. She's in high school right now. She was like, she doesn't think she can draw. She doesn't think she can do anything. But she was real bright and creative and, and creativity and, and that kind of thing is how to tie ideas together, I think. Mm -hmm. So if you can do that with words or, you know, with didactic material museums, that's all you're doing is how is this going to be relevant to people? How can I make a story out of this? How can I right. look at this beautiful work, see the relevance in that contemporary time and tie it to today in some way? How can I talk to a bunch of business owners and figure out how it relates to our community how can entrepreneurial spirit tie through an artist to a CPA to a, you know, all these things. It's impressive. It's creative. Yeah, yeah I guess. I mean, I can see that, <laughs> you know, and it's like, like for, from your side, like what you're saying is you've got all these different backgrounds of doing lots of things to work, to build that passion project. So what was some of the stuff you would like do while trying to build a passion project and how'd you kind of balance that? I mean, waiting tables and working for, you know, doing stained glass windows, but yeah. also kind of building what you were after, what you were chasing to be your own self is not an easy task. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what I was chasing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I think that, uh, so I also did, I was an in-house artist at Trader Joe's for five, six years. I actually just left that position right at the beginning of COVID. So what does that entail? An in-house artist for Trader Joe's? At every store, Trader Joe's is great. They have um, handmade stuff in all of their stores. So they have somebody on staff that's making those signs at every end cap with the display items. Um, they have the murals commissioned around the store to give it a local flair and make it fit in the community. Their shtick is that they're a nationwide chain of neighborhood stores. So okay. they want it to have a neighborhood vibe and they want it to be consistent while they're open. So that's why they do that which I think is great. Um, and so that looks like going in every day and painting signs as the displays change. Um, I, got, I did get to travel a bit with the company. I painted murals for stores that opened in Oklahoma and the Metairie store. So that was my first big mural job wow. um, in New Orleans. So th And that's kind of where I started. I realized I loved that and I started to get more, you know, try to get more freelance. Yeah, because um, you've done a lot of murals that, I, that I've seen. You've done some tap rooms yeah. that are quite <laughs> impressive. Some is generous, but <laughs> hopefully it will be some. Well, so you did, was it parishes? Yes. Yeah, so I just did parish last year. That was my big project during COVID that I was really fortunate to get. Um, yeah, which, I mean, there's like a, it's a massive warehouse space at the brewery and like for me like when i think of a mural and i think of like or a painting in general it's like a small space right and then a mural is like a side of a building or the inside of a, a store or something like that how do you even go about beginning to tackle something of that magnitude it's so project specific you know it depends on the passion and the need of the job this one was i got to work with a really another cool creative which i don't get to do often a lot of times it's just me and the business owner um so Daniel Duvick of Adjunct Creative did all of these beautiful labels for Parrish's beer through the last 10 years that they've been open. So I got to pull all those designs of his and create a narrative story. So it was very similar to kind of my background and, and trying to create a story with words and didactics and all of that. It, it carries through a lot in all of the jobs that I do. But um, 
that looked like going back and forth with him and saying, you know, what designs are the priority? What are the what are the flashbang designs that you've created? And and going to Andrew at Parish, the owner of Parish, and and creating a narrative. And honestly, they're so supportive and they're so excited by what I created. We didn't have to do that much back and forth. It was just like, this is cool. Keep yeah, yeah let's do this. Which as a creative is, you know, huge. To it have is. that, you know, that that work that one-on-one work with a client or a business owner and they say, Hey, I want you to paint this or do this for me. And then they kind of give you the ropes, you know, and say, Hey, go go free with it and do what you want and make it your own. Yeah. So long as you stay within these basic parameters, right? Yeah. It's flabbergasted every time it happens. I'm like, really? You, you trust me? <laughs> no. You trust me to make that creative decision? You sure? <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that's that's the a true patron of the arts. And that's the true benefit of hiring an artist as a business. You see how creativity can bolster your ideas and bring more people in that you didn't have the ideas why you hire a designer or creative to bring something fresh and new that you didn't think of you know we were we were listening to a podcast about the renaissance earlier and that's like the medici family in the early renaissance the true patrons of the art they had these mythological and and christian underpinnings that they wanted purported but they also just trusted botticelli to create something cool you know, yeah. so you have all these really innovative things happen because patrons trust people and it's it's it changes a whole form. It changes a whole direction, a whole era of art and history, you know. Yeah. So. And it allows that, you know, individuality within art to really yeah. shine. Yeah. Not to I've, I'm like, rewind. I'm not relating myself to Renaissance painters, <laughs> but I'm are, just saying it's, it's incredible <laughs> to witness clients that have that mindset that are like, oh, art's cool. Mm. Run with it. You know, yeah. so it's cool to witness that. And Which, to experience it. And like, I'm a huge fan of murals. And like, Baton Rouge is kind of starting to branch out and yeah. be more open to having the sides of buildings painted. Yeah. Which I'm like, why Why haven't we been doing this? You know, it adds yeah. a little bit of flair and pizzazz to the buildings. And you don't just have this blank, you know, wall of nothingness. Yeah. I think we're getting a lot more just um, awareness of what brings people to towns, you know? I think even with... I've seen a lot of like ecotourism initiative too. So bringing people into your city and having memorable things. You don't want trash everywhere. You want beautiful buildings to take. It's funny because the digital world, you would think that would shut down, but it's actually created a renaissance of murals because people want something cool to go photograph in front of, in front of. Yeah. Um, so they want something to take a picture in front of, share yeah. their own post on their stories. I mean, with Parrish having such an, elaborate and out there you know tap room is yeah. such amazing art it's like a focal point of going you. there you know it's like yeah. okay you have to go there to see this in person that's cool and then you, you also that. drink Thanks. some beer and everything <laughs> oh yeah and no, i've got i had some some friends who did a podcast there and they were like in their story they were just like look at this tap room and it was oh, like not about like the taps so nice. and like the beer it was like no look what's on the wall <laughs> that's awesome which i think is huge to have in a space yeah. like that what was the podcast uh the abv podcast oh yeah with chuck p yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, and it's like the fact that for an artist, you can paint something, put it up there and everybody can see it. Yeah. And then they can appreciate it for years and years and years is huge. Thanks. That's really cool. That was the goal. I mean, they're in Broussard. They're kind of off the beaten path, but they have a national following of craft beer lovers that are lining up out the door when they do a new release. So they wanted something that wasn't just, obviously the beer made the mark already. They don't right. have to fight for that. They make a, a really delicious you know, craft beer, 
but they wanted something when people walk in, they're like, oh, this is a really cool place to just come hang out and visit regardless of whether you're doing a release. Yeah. And that's with a post-COVID life. We've all been cooped up for so long. We've all been yeah. stuck inside. I'm sure craft beer has, you know, just been elevated because what else are we going to do but drink, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. I think they were fortunate to not be, you know, as affected because people wanted to drink. <laughs> right. And, but within that, you also have this space created that people, when they go somewhere, they want to see something cool, right? They want to have an experience of going to someplace. And so art is an element of that experience. Yeah. If the walls are bland and it's a bland building and they have this pretty cool event or something that takes place inside, great. They'll be happy about it and they'll talk about it. Right. But to get them to post about it on social media, which is such a heavy push for everybody yeah. across whatever business you're in, having that art, having that flair, that you know, iconic picture to get a, to get your photo in front of yeah. is huge. And it's thanks to artists like yourself. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Well, and their goal honestly was less that and more just let's celebrate what we've done and let's do it. When people come in here, they're not watching the TV. They're looking around the room and talking about something besides they're trying to figure out what this story is and what the the background is. And it's making them think about things a little deeper. So yeah, that was plays into your storytelling. Yeah, 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 for sure. So and w within that, you know, to get a gig like that, you know, every artist I'm sure would be, oh, I got commission to do a, a yeah. mural. How do you get there? You know, for, for artists <laughs> listening that are painting in their bedroom or painting yeah. in their dorm room and they're at, still at LSU or whatever university they're with, how do you get to that first gig? What did you do to get there? I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> good question. I've been at it for like eight years, so it's hard to say what got me there besides just constancy, you know? So I think art, especially if you're doing another career-driven job, you, you can kind of find a niche or a, a you know, a, a, you're, you can find a brick and mortar where you're gonna work, you know? With art, I think you have to really work at finding your voice and, and figuring out how that fits into a, a cog and wheel situation. It's not gonna yeah. be direct always. So unless you're a graphic designer or a digital designer, a production company or something like that, so. Yeah, like Flashbang Production Company. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. easy to sell that product, right? <laughs> so like, but for art, how do you go about like getting people excited for art? I mean, or getting people excited to go down Are people down excited art for art? That's awesome. I mean, I, am, I, I love seeing art and walking around and looking at cool Good. things, you know, walk, being able to walk down downtown and seeing more and more murals being painted on buildings to me is exciting because it now makes it a more desire to walk around the city good instead of go to and from where you got to go get there as quick as you can and get back yeah exactly that's that's cool to hear um i think w the way i started was again i i had work through a company through trader joe's and i saw how art served a certain niche and then the same time was doing commissions for people constantly, whether it be portraits of their family or landscape paintings or this or that. So I was keeping my chops up with painting the whole time. Um, and then just seeing how I can deliver somebody's passion in a way that gets it in front of people's faces. I found a way to do that with my own hand and my own a way of using color. So how do you do that? Um, cold call, try it, you know, just keep going, you know, yeah. um, unfortunately there's not like a whole lot of direct path with, with art. I don't think, you no. know? Yeah. It's kind of a build your, do what you can and put it out there. Right. Exactly. And that's kind of, I guess where social media 
you yeah. know, might come into play? Is that Huge. been something that you've seen has been helpful? Huge. Um, I am so unsavvy with it, but absolutely. I have gotten most of my business through word of mouth and I think self-promotion on social media. So definitely figuring out how to post your things in a way that's not just self-serving or not just, you know, insular and, and get it out to a community or, or, or speak to somebody else's passion or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I think for like, for artists, like for me, like if I was, you know, helping somebody get a brand or something started for an artwork or an art gallery or just a painter in general, it's like, you want to put your content out there, right. For people to see, but at the same time, don't put, Hey, DM me for work all the time, you know, right. Right. Like you said, like with your museum history, write your story. What motivated you to paint this piece? Yeah. What is the background of this piece? And it's, Sometimes it's not a lot, I'm sure, as you have experienced. Like, oh, I just wanted to paint, you know, this pretty tree. Sure. You know, but it's also having that that written word of going through the motions, right? Of Maybe I so. wanted to do this because it was, you know, a pretty day. And the day reminded me of something in my past. And it was just like, oh, I just want to show appreciation for this. Yeah. And I think that's just staying genuine. So I don't know if there's a prescription for that besides right. just that, you know, Um yeah, it's being true to yourself, right? Yeah, or and 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 not um not trying to feed into something or not trying to to pander to a particular thing, you know? Yeah, like you like you said at the beginning, find who you are and be true to yourself, you know? As an artist, <laughs> you don't want to go and ask a client, "What do you want me to paint?" you know? And it's like, "Oh, yeah. I want you to paint this specific sign." And you get known for painting specific signs, but then in that you're creating you're letting someone else dictate your voice. Yeah, you maybe know? so. And if you hate painting one thing, you don't want to always do that. Yeah, what you might end up doing and then you figure out you hate that after you do it and you change, you know? Yeah. Don't get sucked into it. That's uh, many, many uh, a common phrase for changing your major, right? You start doing one thing and then you yeah. shift and you shift and you shift. Yeah, for sure. Art can kind of be the same way. You might realize you liked doing stained glass or you might realize you hated doing stained glass. Right. Which, you know, both of those things exist. There are things that you love and hate about everything, I'm sure, mm-hmm. in everybody's career. Um, for me, I think it's hard to speak to this point of like, how do you do that? Because... I'm just reacting to the work and creating the best thing that I can for every client. And so I'm like, um, I don't have a business prescription for you because that's not where my mind rests. It's not where my passion rests. That's not what I'm reacting to. I'm reacting to the other person's passion or their inception story or their, mm-hmm. their mission, whether it be a bar or a nonprofit or whatever it is. I'm thinking about that instead of, um, how am I going to brand this? How am I going to sell this to people that aren't in this company? I'm thinking more of like, whoa, this is amazing. I want to make it as amazing as possible for people to see, you know? So yeah, it's like, how it's like bringing their vision to life. almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Things like, like Rouge Creole, not having, um, a, a depth of knowledge about Creole cuisine going in and hearing more about how he's trying to showcase global cuisines through this Creole menu. People might not know that just glancing at the menu. I mean, you, if you're really looking, you see it, but if you have a map on the wall and you have the language, the Corriveni, the Creole language, and you're, you're looking around wondering, what is that? You're going to look, you're going to look more, you're going to think about it more and you're going to ask questions and you're going to, you're going to be excited by it because it feels genuine because it is. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just a, a broadcast of that. It's, it's cool to be able to do that with my art. Right. I mean, which now that is, you know, do you ever like find yourself walking around Baton Rouge? Like, Oh, 
that's my piece. Or, no. oh, I did that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, you're your own worst critic and I pour everything I have into the projects, but I don't even hang my own artwork in my house. I'm like, clean clean slate there's enough going on in here all the time that i don't want to look back and and reflect too much i'm proud and i'm excited for the businesses and i Mm -hmm. I definitely want to celebrate them but as far as like that's mine check no that doesn't happen (laughs) well you gotta take a step back every now and again to appreciate what you've done thus far (laughs) i'm grateful for what i have right now you know i'm great i try and live right here right now and, and be present and not not let plans drive ambition let let the the real you know work or the real like attitude behind everything drive the present moment yeah if that's makes sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how is the the art community and the art scene around here in baton rouge it's it's cool there's some really neat things happening right now the arts council is opening um the uh, carries garage building downtown are you familiar with that i'm not what is that they're doing a whole new uh, building for the Arts Council. They're renovating a building next to the old courthouse. Um, it's going to have some rental spaces, so recording spaces, dance studios, um, just basically trying to cater to the artists in our community and create community because it is hard. It's disparate. And if you're not in it, if you didn't go to art school, if you didn't you know, have an entry point, it's hard to enter. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really great thing to have that there. And they're they're generating a lot of um, content with podcasts and, and things like that that are bringing it all together. So I think we're in a really cool place in Baton Rouge arts culture. I think we're starting to to have like some bridges happen that are that are great. We're starting to have like a blossom of a flower almost. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Getting artsy. I'm, t- I'm trying. All right. It's just this, this CPA in me is like so numbers driven, so data driven. Yeah. But then, you know, when you go and do something creative, it kind of opens the other side of your mind and makes you Good. think a little bit differently. How many artists have you interviewed? I think you're the first true artist. Maybe. You know, who's, Maybe. Who's to define? But it's still, I've, I've, been, I've had people who are creative and yeah. do it like we've had Jordan Heffler on the show. Oh, she's who's awesome. a photographer. Yeah. You know, and having that, those people that come on and just, you know, whether it be creating an app or creating a company, they're, they're creative individuals, you know, nonetheless. But having somebody like put, you know, ink to paper, color to paper and actually present a piece of art is, in my mind, still fascinating because I I can't fathom being able to do something like that, you know? Yeah, that's generous. It's just a skill, like adding numbers or <laughs> any of those With calculators for that. Yeah. <laughs> so within the 225 people to watch, was it 225 people to watch or was it a business report people to watch? 225. 225 mm-hmm. people to watch. Have you seen anything kind of positive come from that if people called you and... Have you gotten jobs from that? Has that been like a good? It's been great. I've had a lot of people, a lot of clients like just send me positive, you know, things, which is always good. I work by myself most of the time. So the more network and more community that can it can drive, I think is really great. Um, I'm not sure if it's come directly from that, but I do have some really exciting jobs that are on in the works that I I hope that it benefited and I hope that it benefits the community from that. So I, th- I think it will, which again, I'm, I don't talk about till they're done <laughs> or yeah. at least, you know, well say, into what it. can we talk about? <laughs> um, there's some great things. I'm, I'm finishing up with Emerge Center right now. Okay. Do you know that um, school? I, I do know Emerge, yes. Yeah. So that's, that's a project I'm ecstatic to be participating in. 
with their fundraising. They can't do the same thing they usually do with COVID right now. So they're doing a lot of virtual fundraising. And my part is to produce a painting with the kids. So I had them participate and I went out, went over there and they painted on the, um, the work itself. And I'm creating something in tandem and reacting to their marks that has to do with Autism Awareness Month. So that's really okay. cool. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So was there ever a time like when you were kind of doing something to support the passion project where you thought just tossing in the towel and going a different route? Oh, every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> do you not have that thought? Of just tossing well, you're in the doing, towel and you're doing the plug? a podcast in tandem with your CPA. I mean, surely you have that that thought. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a thought like when I think about it personally, it's, you know, okay, I could pull the plug and I could not do this anymore. And what what been, what good would that do me if I just stopped doing it, right? Yeah. You know, if I just stopped doing it because of whatever reason I woke up that morning, and I was like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. You know, that would have to be something that would have to make me want to pull the plug. But mm-hmm. if it's like a challenge or something, it's like, no, you just got to get through it, right? You've got multiple challenges you're going to face regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of what you do, that if you don't get past it and you just let that roadblock defeat you, you're never going to know what was on the other side. Yeah, and you're always going to live with that in the back of your head. That what if, right? Like that is like if you ask like, what are my biggest fears? It's like, well, unsteady heights and what if, (laughs) right? It's you know that what if question. (laughs) It's like what what if I didn't stay up the extra two hours and push and do this project and finish (laughs) this out? That makes me want to let you sleep late. I'm so sorry. Um, Sleep's so important. I know it is. I get (laughs) adequate sleep. Good. I get adequate sleep. No, it's not. It's not that it's a challenge that feels unsurmountable. It's more art. Art can feel pretty gratuitous sometimes, you know, and you you wonder if what you're doing is the most that you can serve or the most that you can give. So, you know, though it's beautiful and lovely, I have to get that constant um, engagement with people to understand that it is serving. It is doing something good for the for if it's the business or the community. Because my impulse is like, maybe I'll just go to nursing school or something. You know, it's, some, it's not that it's a it's not that it's a project that's too big or scary. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Just like, is this is this enough purpose behind the task? Is this is this the right thing? So I think that ultimately drives me to produce something with um, a ton of purpose in every project. Right. What, so to you, it's, it's whether pur- or not that's a good thing. Over, <laughs> it's like it's purpose over profit almost. For sure. Yeah. The monetizing thing is, you know, secondary for me, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Which for a lot of creatives, it almost kind of feels like that is the case as well. I mean, for me, I know for me personally, that's, you know, when I was on, I was actually on Jordan Heffler's podcast a couple of weeks ago and and we got down this, this same kind of conversation of, you know, do you ever want to pull the plug? You ever want to stop? And I was like, I'm so much process over profit. Yeah. Good for you. Which is, Probably not a good business model. No, I think I had words with Charlotte about that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who I wish was here. Right. Yeah, come on, Charlotte. Gosh. Um, But yeah, it's when when you get to that point of you want that process over the profit, it, from a business standpoint, can't always be good. So it's always nice to maybe either have someone in your ear telling you, hey, think about the bottom line, think about getting that revenue in. Right. But at the same time, you wake up and it's not like, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this so I can make the money. It's like, no, I'm going to do this because I love it. Right, right. Right. Which I imagine is the same thing for you. It's both. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm staunchly independent, so I don't want to be dependent on anybody. So that drives me for sure. Um, but it absolutely is um, 
how am I going to make this? It's a puzzle. Every project follows an arc of, okay, this is meaningful because of X, Y, Z. This is how I can serve. And then it reaches, uh, is it? question and then uh, and then it goes another hump of yes here's why here's how I'm digging into culture or relevance or or passion and and I and I dig my heels more and more into it but as the design progresses and and so for sure it's process over over dollar bills every time yeah but then at the end of the day to become sustainable you know especially as like an artist you've got to figure out that pricing model or yeah. like how do you price your work you know well with social media there's there's so many resources youtube instagram all of it to to compare and to get industry standards so one of the things i did a few years ago that really helped me was going to crop which um i i don't know if they're still doing this creative conference but it was a creative conference held in baton rouge and they they're changing locations now so i might not get to go in the future um but it did things like that, ground um, some actual productive, you know, the machine of how am I going to make this work and make it sustainable. Um, and it granted insight on industry practices and and comparing pricing. And there's a ton of people that offer that online now, too. So, really? Yeah. If you contact people are candid, we want to to make the market equal. I have friends in town that do very similar work to me and I and it doesn't make sense to compete over price. Why right. would we want to undercut each other? It's not going to do anything for the market. Let's we have our own niche. Let's make the pricing comparable so we can serve our own niche. There's no reason mm -hmm. to undercut each other and get a job that um, is not benefiting you or I because it's not paying adequately anymore. You know? Yeah, I mean that's for for any new business, whether it be art or, you know, somebody's got an app idea or a different company they're trying to build, pricing is like one of the huge, you know, hurdles they've got to get over is where do we price it at? You yeah. Know? You don't want to underprice yourself and then be stuck in this rut of doing so much work and so much effort and so much time mm -hmm. to then be paid so little in return. But at the same mark, you don't want to overprice yourself to where then no one's picking you up. Right. It's, it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah, which I'm sure is something difficult for the, you know, for the art community. It's like, I don't, I couldn't tell you how to begin to price a piece of art. I couldn't tell you begin <laughs> how to price a mural. Right. You know, and that's a challenge because it's not, when you look at like kind of like the education system and how that's, you know, how they kind of collide, right? For my accounting degree, we were all numbers, right. all, you know, business <laughs> models. How do they price this? How do they do this? How do you do that? <laughs> And then in like the art school, like, was there anything like that? <laughs> no, that's something super lacking in liberal arts and arts and all of that. It's it's a huge problem. And actually, Arts Council, again, has some really good things for that. They're offering all kinds of grant workshops. And how do you how do you make this work in a sustainable career? And it should be part of, um, you know, the college system that that's in the arts program. It doesn't make sense that it's not there, but it's it's there now in the zeitgeist and in instagram and in local arts councils and stuff like that um unfortunately you still have to dig your way into it yeah. um yeah it's not it's not on the forefront of your classes and and things like that it's all conceptual and it's all craft um in the arts world so i learned how to paint i learned how to do a lot of beautiful things i learned craft i learned critical thinking and critical you know analysis of things but 
as far as, you know, how do I make this? How do I sell this? How do I do this? Not at all, (laughs) (laughs) which is why I'm not interested in academia. Honestly, that was one of the paths I was thinking I wanted to go get an MFA, but it's again, so insular. And then you're, you're promoting this sort of classes system where it's and I have nothing against my professors in the world that they have because they gave me so much but I couldn't see myself being satiated promoting that or being in that world it didn't it felt too self-servicing kind of right kind of almost restricting Mm -hmm, for sure yeah because it's I mean when you when you look at the different paths of an entrepreneur for example they're not going to all come from the College of Business. They're not all going to come from this one area of a university. They're going to come from many different sectors. Yeah. And more likely than not, they'll be recommended to partner up with somebody from a business side of things. Yeah. But as an independent, as a freelancer, when you're by yourself, you may not want to. You know, not just out of, a, oh, I didn't have anybody connect. Like, no, I wanted to have this, this sense of accomplishment, the sense of self-accomplishment. Yeah. That I wanted to do it for myself. I wanted to do this for what I wanted because, again – that passion that is within that creative within that entrepreneur sounds like you're speaking for yourself (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's cool yeah maybe but it's how how can that be kind of morphed together yeah i guess is the is the is the focal point out of that how can what be more how can you have an arts division also morph in how to make it a sustainable business. Yeah. Well, and that's something I still have really close friends that are in like the New York art world and are professors now. And, um, it's really interesting to watch their careers and, and still engage and understand what they're doing, but see it as so outside of my practice and any of my clients and what they would engage with. Um, so I think it's important to have both. I mean, it's important to have those haughty, heidi ideas produced in a, in a circle, but it it's a currency produced within itself. So I think it's hard to get a community like Baton Rouge or anybody in Louisiana to bite on some of those really heidi ideas or, you know, art for art's sake kind of thing. I like art for services' sake. So if it's promoting a culture or um, a really interesting food or, you know, an idea for a nonprofit. I think that's connecting directly, whereas you don't have to have the history of art to understand it. You don't have to digest all of this knowledge to, to enter. It's kind of for the every man where if you're, uh, you know, getting off the bus, you can look at it and get something from it. If you're, you know, leaving your office downtown, it still speaks to you in some other way. You don't have to understand that that pile of clothes in the corner was created by this poor Italian that, you know, did it in the midst of a crisis. And and so that's why it means something, you know, you can look at it and get something from it. Yeah. Um, When it's got like a, I guess, a recipe almost for it. It's like, Hey, we want you to draw this to tell this story as opposed to just going and creating something from within. Well, I hope that it's both. I'm definitely creating from, you know, you're creating something that's speaking from your voice, but it's not speaking from a voice that's a cordoned off group of people that only have access to that information and history. Mm. There's, you know, you can look at a brick and know that it's a structural thing. So you can look at a piece of art and know that there's something behind it that's going to speak to, you know, if it's a color or a figure or um, words, they're going to say something without some esoteric knowledge behind it. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so what in 
Baton Rouge do you feel is kind of missing from the art scene? Community. I think um, I think a really strong bridge between all of the arts. I think we need more events and more um, more productive dialogue like we're having here. How do we make this sustainable and and within each little niche with that, whether it be visual artists or production companies, or how can we come together and make this city something like Austin or, you know, somewhere that people come for the arts. It's, it's got potential for that, I think. Yeah. I think we're, we're open-minded enough to, you know, try anything. Right. Especially after COVID of being locked up, you're like, Oh yeah, we'll go to any event. We'll do any, (laughs) we'll do any festival. You got it. We'll be there. You know? Yeah, hopefully so. But seeing how it can serve the bigger community too, you know, businesses benefit, patrons benefit, everybody's excited by it, and it's and it's a joyful experience for everybody. Right. <laughs> so okay, so then should we put on like an art festival or something? Is that what you're hinting at? Maybe. I mean, there's. I'm not going to do it, but I think somebody should. <laughs> I've I've got my hands tied with enough that I'm. Um, trying to produce with meaning but that that's a beautiful idea i think the carrie siraj building is going to do a lot um and i think there's some exciting things in the water there's um i got an email last week there's a a black artist um on the mississippi traveling exhibit pop-up exhibit so there's things happening that people are realizing baton rouge is a stop to participate in Mm -hmm. um so it's it's picking up speed you know yeah and it's like as from a from a tourism standpoint you know that's starting to kick back up within the local area we're starting to have cruise ships come back and you know so how can we what can we do as a community to make it so inviting when people step off and the first thing they see in baton rouge is like what do we want it to be yeah exactly how do we get their eyes like oh let's go check this out or oh i've heard so much about this how do we build that you know that that talk that chatter to get people here right right i think baton rouge has a lot of culture but it's not resurrected yet you know i think you look at lafayette you look at new orleans and the art scene is thriving and we we can look at them and kind of figure out how to get our culture back at the surface you know we've been we've been there the whole time but we need to we need to bring it up yeah (laughs) so what actionable steps can we do (laughs) good question i think um i think keep going, doing things like this, promote the arts. I think talk to businesses about how it's important. There's, um, there's a lot that commerce can do with the arts in tandem with each other. And that's, that's how to, to make it relevant. Um, so I hope that what I'm doing serves a little bit of that, you know, I hope that it makes people realize like, Oh, showcasing artists and arts events and things like that actually is beneficial to to my business and it's beneficial right. to the community and I feel good. They feel good. It's actually positive and, and I can do this and I can bring communities together this way. Yeah. And it's like, we've got a couple of those, like, like mid city makers, they bring like local makers around yeah. to these events and promote it and bring people to them. For sure. Um, there's things happening where people will be, um, renting art, like businesses can rent artists work and showcase it, which is a great opportunity for up and coming artists. Um, mm-hmm. That exists all over the place, but I just heard they're starting to revive a program like that in Baton Rouge. Um, There's music festivals where I think you can do tandem and collective art so you can tie in production companies and musicians and artists and get something really activated in a space that maybe helps tie some North Baton Rouge with the rest of Baton Rouge, too. There's a lot of divisiveness still in our town that we can 
we can work on through and work through with the arts, which I think is exciting with everything that happened during COVID as yeah. well. And I know we had a uh, Horatio from Southern Kofi come on. Nice. And I've been into his shop before and he's got art all on his walls and it's all got like a little QR code for it. Beautiful. So you can go and purchase that, that art what a from great a local idea. artist. And it's, and his space is truly incredible with what he's got going on there. Yeah. Like he's doing some super great things. <clears throat> promoting the community, promoting local makers. Oh, I definitely want to go. I and his, like, like you just walk and it's like wall to wall. There's like art everywhere. Like anywhere he could fit a piece of art, he put a piece of art. I should ask you what the actionable steps are. You've got them built up. I, I think, <laughs> I think we're, you're, you're, you're getting, we're getting there with putting on more events. That is co-events, right? Mm-hmm. Not just a single event to do one specific thing. Right. You know, we can co-mingle different sectors within one event. Exactly. Because people will come out and it gives them more to do, right? Right. You know, people want something to go. They want to go to an event. They want stuff to do. They want activities to participate in. Yeah. So if they're able to go around and learn about local artists, learn about local makers, and then participate and support them, I think that is a good step to getting people to kind of see, hey, Baton Rouge is starting to starting to take strides and getting to, like you said, like the Austin, the Lafayette, you know, yeah. the New Orleans, building that culture from within and really showcasing who we are. Right. And I think we have a lot of work to do with digging out that culture because I think right. a lot of it's not represented. So I think we're in a good place yeah, I think to, we're to a, start doing that. And I think COVID is kind of like a turning of the page. Like now that we're getting towards the end of it, it's a turning of the page for a lot of people of what can I do now? Right. Where can I go from here? I spent a year cooped up yeah. thinking and pondering wanting to do this thing you know like if you wanted to start a business truly like you had no more time on your you had more time on your hands yeah. during covid with you know stuff being closed i was like okay let's really put a game plan in place so when you can make it happen you can pull the trigger yeah right? you can hopefully get there and make it that. work yeah so many people didn't have the resources they're just trying to get through so yeah. hopefully that was a potential for a lot of people but now i think you're right i think the communal gatherings that's going to launch a lot of exciting things that are starting to starting to open the back up with vaccinations and everything so get everybody back to back to the normal or new normal right right so as we kind of start to wind down the show we ask for specific questions (laughs) hard-hitting pounding questions (laughs) um one of them we lead off with is what are three lessons you've gathered along the way within your career thus far yeah um, three lessons. Be, you know, trust your instincts, trust your own capabilities. If you're an artist, especially, I think listen to your voice because no one else has it. So if you can follow that niche instead of trying to pander to some specific thing to get work, then you're going to have much better results that everybody will benefit from. Um, I think be pragmatic, you know, something sustainable. If you're if you're not getting huge jobs, don't quit your day job, you know, keep going with a side job. Look at ways to make it sustainable and make it a a career based thing that you're going to be able to keep going on and not burnt out within six months. Um, Let's see. That that, that, that second (laughs) one is, is huge. You know, being able to to realize that you can't dive off after day one of opening whatever it is you've opened and that it's going to be extremely successful from day one. Of course. Yeah. Right? It takes time. Exactly. Like patience is is the biggest factor in anything, whether it be art, whether it be in 
new starting a new business, whatever it is, having that patience and understanding that nothing happens overnight. And in fact, the best successes are 10 years in the making, you know, yeah. eight years in the making. It's like the best overnight successes are 10 years within their path so far. Right. It's like, did you ever expect to be doing podcasts initially and all of your different no. entrepreneurial, you know, so you got to let it unwind as it as it should and, and trust what happens and react to those things. Podcasts weren't a thing probably when you started out doing all kinds of entrepreneurial things. No, when I was 11, podcasts weren't around. (laughs) 11? What was your first entrepreneurial thing? Lawn cutting business. Nice. That's a good one. I cutting grass at 11. That's great. So you've always been an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurial minded. Yeah. I I, I had had stable stable jobs and still do as a CPA. You know, it's not a full in the deep end entrepreneur, but it's the entrepreneurial spirit that lives deep within. And it's, yeah, you never know where the road is going to lead you, but being open-minded and like you said, loving that process, loving that passion and always doing what you're passionate about, you're going to end up where you want to so long as you're patient. Yeah. I mean, well, or you're just where you are and that's where you want to be because you've created it. Which right? is awesome, yeah. right? Yeah. You can exactly. be, be where you want to be and know that you've created it. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that would be the third thing. Don't put the cart before the horse, you know, so be patient. Exactly like you said, um, don't let your ambition kill what's at your fingertips, you know, so let let things that you experience drive what you're doing instead of being streamlined into something or, or you know, putting your blinders on to the world to this one driving point. Let be open and, and let things um, in your pathway serve you and, and serve other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. What is something you did as a kid you wish you still could do today? <laughs> hmm, that's tough. I the first thing that comes to mind is I read a like naturalist book when I was in like second grade and I always thought I wanted to do some sort of biology or naturalist study or so yeah. I guess that would be it, you know, dig around in nature and look at bugs and birds and and plants. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do some biology. I mean, the, the coast is always the, the hot spot for biologists, especially here in, you know, Louisiana. Yeah, there's a lot going on here with coastal restoration and all kinds of scientists migrating down here to help us out. It's cool. Oh, yeah. I know the, the Mississippi River is like just a, a total fascination globally. Yeah, we've done a lot of things to our poor Mississippi River, but <laughs> for sure... <laughs> It's cool. I actually live in Port Allen, so I love going over the bridge every day and seeing that huge body of water. Wait, 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 wait. You don't love going over the bridge. I love going over the bridge. With traffic? Well, you know, you time it. Okay. But honestly, nobody really loved taking the bridge anywhere. Well, you know, it's a moment of pause where you're like, holy cow, look at this huge beast of nature in front of me. You you forget that you've got something to do or some pressure or some stress because you see the bigger picture in those moments you know you look at i think nature is so important for that you know you stop and you look and you're like hold on hold on is this actually important where am i and what am i doing okay it's it's so so meager in the in the scheme of things you know yeah <laughs> i like that viewpoint <laughs> yeah here that's what i gave to you today i'll, I'll take it i'll take it and run with it <laughs> yeah. um so what is uh what do you love about baton rouge we kind of touched on a lot of it. I think we're in like a big turn, like point where bridges are being made and we're we're blooming and things are. <laughs> I have no idea what that noise was. It's cool. Um, things are changing and 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 gen- generative right now, and so it's cool to witness and participate in. 
Um, I came back here. I thought I wanted to live a bunch of other places, but ultimately you pave the happiness that you, you know, you want. So I think Baton Rouge has a lot to offer right now and, and we all need to dig our heels into that and make it the best we can. That's going to be a t-shirt. You pave the happiness you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's excellent. Oh, I love thanks. That. Thanks. <laughs> so for, for the final question, what can I do to help you? Ooh, you did it just now. Thank you. No, no. <laughs> Something outside of the show. That's such a generic answer. Oh. The show helped me. No, I mean, just this conversation, this dialogue is generative. You know, okay. I think what you're doing is really positive. What can you do to help me? Um, Tell me how I can help you, you know? <laughs> what can I do hey. to help you? Cool, that's easy. Get some more murals within the city, yeah? not yeah. just downtown. Get it in the city. Tell me, yeah, that would be great. That's what you can do to help me. Tell me how art's cool and, and continue to promote that kind of thing. And whether it be entrepreneurs or artists or drop those seedlings with people, how art can has benefited you and you enjoy it, et cetera. Well, I'll, I'll see what I, what I can do on that front and... And tell me how I can help you. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Ellen, for coming Thank you on. so much. This was great. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming out. You've got some appreciate absolutely all you guys. adorable dogs. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you all for, for sitting and, and watching with us. Not quite yet. Not, we're not done yet, but I mean, yeah, sure. Thank you all. Thanks. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah, thank you all. <laughs> thank you, Corgi. <laughs> um, so thank y'all everybody for coming out tonight. Thank you everybody for watching or listening, whatever platform you're absorbing this on. I greatly appreciate your time. And I know that the guests do as well. You all make this possible through your feedback, through your support of the show. Um, we'd appreciate any likes, shares, or comments to the show. And we also want to say a big thanks to our sponsors, Alvarez Construction. They do a lot more than just build a home. They build communities and they build places for you to raise your family and live out your dreams. And another big thanks to our second sponsor, Triton Stone Group, a a family-run, woman-owned company that is helping you build your dreams and making sure everything is to your aesthetic, please. And they're doing some great things in the community. So be sure to check out Triton Stone Alvarez Construction for all of your needs. And so without further ado, thank you all very much. I'm Patty G, host of the Patty G Show, here with Ellen Ogden of Ello Artist. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. Thanks so much.